mission to explore the far reaches of cinema. Three daring adventurers dive deep into the Criterion and beyond. These are the tales of their adventures. This is Cynonauts! Hey, this is Ian. I'm Boom. This is Catcher. And welcome to Synonauts Exploring the Criterion. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Yes. Where we're going to discuss Boom's pick from last week, a cult musical classic entry to the Criterion Collection, Hedwig. Hedvig. Hedvig. And <laughs> Hedvig and the Angry You gotta say it like the uh, German girls do. Hedvig. Yeah, we do have Hedvig. <laughs> Uh, Sophie, I'm sorry. I hope the <laughs> is not as uh, scrutinizing as my France. Um, how are you? How are you guys' weeks? What 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 went down? Yeah, it's been kind of a chill week. Like obviously, we saw what was going on in the states, and like similar. I mean, obviously, that's not happening here, but um, we still feel it. So that's just been like a little. <laughs> It's been a lot. Um, and then Ontario's going further into lockdown or whatever. Everything is just is just so confusing. So just kind of navigating that. Nice. Yeah. You know, how it goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For before we get to uh the ultimate disappointment of me not having watched Boom's uh victory prize of <laughs> uh selecting a quick movie to discuss for winning the flight crew selection. We were supposed to watch Lovers Rock. However, uh, me being in the States and just due to last week, I was just super gassed and was yeah. like not in the mood to watch that much. Understandable. So we're going to hold that off till next week. So I apologize. Um, and then on that, I just want to say, if you're listening to this podcast and you have an issue with the way Democrats are handling uh, Trump here in the United States, you can go ahead and stop listening because we don't need you to listen. <laughs> destroying yeah. uh, America. Absolutely. And has been for the last several years. It's so disappointing. And I will not stand for any sort of uh, defense or any sort of mind game excuses for that man. Yeah. I know everybody's anyway. like, I know everybody. <laughs> I like this. Let it, yeah, let like it out. Ian. Let it out. But um, yeah, I know everybody's go-to thing is like when shit goes down with Trump, they're like, let's go to Canada. But Canada's kind of been <laughs> sucking lately too. So I have a better idea. <laughs> Let's all yeah. go to New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. And just I've always wanted to go there. Yeah. Just go hang out with Jacinda. Just, COVID isn't a thing there. Shh. Seems like seems like life is good. Yeah. <laughs> all, only thing we have to worry about over there are big bugs. Yeah. I can deal with that. I can I deal, with, deal that. with that. I have a fly I slide. hate bugs. <laughs> bugs are the I, I I hate bugs. They're so yeah. gross. <laughs> well, what did what did people watch this week? I I guess I can start. Yeah, you start. You tell this us. This week. Uh, I never I never start. So I also want to issue an apology. I gave a high recommendation to the Netflix show Bridgerton last week. Oh, no. I had oh, only, no. I had only watched four episodes or five episodes at the time. And while I still very much enjoyed the show, I do want to give a warning <laughs> that at about episode six, mm -hmm. there are about four or five, maybe six, about 10 minute long, pretty graphic sections. <laughs> <laughs> throughout the rest of the series uh so while i do stamp my uh approval uh on that show as a definitely guilty pleasure watch 
Uh, I want to apologize for anyone who tuned in and all of a sudden got to some pretty uh, raunchy uh, television, especially by Netflix standards. I, I know. Say, I, say. <laughs> I feel like Shonda's doing it for the single people who are just like locked up and like can't date right now. And uh, <laughs> the uh, other thing I watched this week was uh, I watched the Bee Gees, How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? documentary on HBO. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like an hour and a half, hour, 45 minutes documentary about the Bee Gees. So it was cool. Uh, I know literally nothing about the Bee Gees. Um, I wasn't really raised on them. Well, my mom liked them a lot, but I never really got into them when I was younger. So I never really listened to their music that often. And I knew nothing about them. And they have a pretty cool story. Um, definitely worth the watch if you like musical documentaries or music documentaries. Yeah. Fan of the Bee Gees. Even if you're not a fan of Bee Gees like me, I mean, I don't really listen to music ever. Uh, I thought it was really cool to watch, so nice. Definitely uh, recommend that. Yeah, I saw that on on Crave, and I was like, oh, that's cool. That looks interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. They have like a, you know, I think my only thing is, well, since two of the brothers are dead, they probably couldn't do like a full, you know, three or four miniseries on it properly. Mm. Um, But like, you know, they clearly skipped over a lot of the part of the stuff that I would have been interested in. Like they kind of glossed over the fact how they basically all had pretty big drug addiction issues for mm. a point of their career. And I'm, I'm really curious. I'm always curious about how that sort of stuff affects musicians and how it changes their sound and all that stuff like that, or how they respond to fame and all sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's the sort of sort of stuff I miss when it's only an hour and a half. Cause obviously they're not going to dwell on the really heavy stuff for that long. Right. But, uh, it was still cool. Thanks. Yeah, good that's watch. awesome. Yeah. Other than that, I've been watching fun videos of uh, people getting arrested for thinking it was okay to storm the U.S. Capitol with no Perfect. consequences. So that self- was fun to watch too. Hashtag self care. <laughs> I seriously still can't <laughs> believe that shit happened. Yeah, I know. It's insane. It's bonkers. Uh, uh, catcher. What about you? Okay, so I watched Memento for the first time in a while, probably at least five years, maybe more. Nice. And that movie holds up so well like it's Mm. i've decided it's nolan's best movie and my second favorite Mm. nolan movie like it's it's got the intrigue it's i've haven't i've seen it and i was still on the edge of my seat like what 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 is it exactly again what happens again like how how does it unfold and you're oh it leaves you just constantly unsure of what's going on and it so well puts you in the mindset of the character and it gets to play with you know his like you know, the way he likes to construct his movies, he likes to play with things. And it does such a great job of doing that. And the acting is all wonderful. Um, yeah, it's so great. What's and your then, first favorite Nolan movie? The Prestige, without a okay. doubt. That's nice. easy, like above and beyond all. Like, yeah, just I always have a good time watching that movie. So I recently re- kind of in the last couple of months rewatched The Prestige. It didn't hold up as well as I was hoping. I think because like, and I mean this like in a compliment towards Nolan. Mm-hmm. I think because I got so used to his grand spectacle movies, right. watching The Prestige is so small in scale that I was a little like, you know, does that make sense? Yep. Like it's, yeah. not, it's not really a ding on the movie, but just like when I'm expecting like a Nolan movie, I'm expecting like this huge production and yeah. that was so intimate. And so I, and so I was going to rewatch Memento also, but I actually didn't rewatch Memento for that same like, oh, I don't really know if it's going to be the same way. You don't want to taint yeah. it. Just in case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah, yes. it it definitely doesn't have the spectacle. That's right. for sure. And you know, there's like so li- there's a lot like you see the same kind of shots over and over again. So you could mm-hmm. like, yeah, it doesn't feel like so grandiose. 
Especially right. after watching something like Tenant, you know, it's like, how do you yeah. even compare <laughs> those two things together? Like, right. Um, and then the only other real thing I want to talk about is I watched Dread. I rewatched mm. Dread, like the Judge oh, Dread movie with from the like remake. The, the remake, yeah. From a couple- <laughs> yeah, that movie is awesome. That movie is awesome, <laughs> and it's like, especially I've been playing Cyberpunk. Um, mm. It's like the Cyberpunk movie. And they made it for like $45 million and it looks awesome. It's so good. And I just want like a million of these. I want like two more of these movies in this world. They just do such a great job of like world building. And uh, Carl Urban is, he knows exactly what kind of movie he's in. And he's giving just just enough rough and just (laughs) enough whatever to just, you just fall in love with it. Um, And they have like a psychic character. And they use it well. It never feels cheap. It never feels like a, an easy way out of a script problem. It mm. always just feels so natural and tied uh, to the world. Yeah, I loved it. Dread. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Is, is it a remake of the original Dread or is it a different story? No. So Dr- Judge Dread was originally a comic. Comic. Uh, right. which in like as a, like uh, one of those anthology comics. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is just another just random story. It's not like a remake of the one with Stallone. Got it. It's Stallone, right? He was. I, I can't remember. Yeah. So yeah, it's just on its own, but it's really cool. Nice. Really cool. Cool. Boom. Yeah. Boom. What'd you watch? Yeah, I watched quite a bit. Um, in the past week, I watched Promising Young Woman. Nice. Um, which I think a lot of people will really like. But for some mm-hmm. reason, I just wasn't really vibing with it. I don't think on any level it's a bad movie. I like that it was like quite experimental and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like a little genre bending. Um, but yeah, at the end, I was just like, this just isn't for me. And then I watched Mandy with Nikki Cage, which was yes. just like oh, super I've intense. To watch that. Yeah, I'll give you my shutter login. Uh, Cause oh, I haven't really been using it, but <laughs> so I was like, I need to use my shutter login and watch something. So I watched that and it's just like really intense and super like stylistically cool. And the acting's really good. Um, but I had like two big movies that I watched that like mm-hmm. just kind of knocked my socks off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I watched shadow in the cloud with Chloe Grace Moritz. Have you guys mm heard of or seen anything about this movie no nope okay i don't think it's quite hit wide release yet but it's i think it's about to come out um Mm. it is insane it's (laughs) it's about this (laughs) female pilot in world war ii and she's traveling with this like top secret package um and she's just on this flight with a bunch of just like shitty dudes who like are, are awful misogynist but just like all of these things go wrong and she just kind of like deals with it in a very extreme and like badass way. Um, and it's just so much fun. And there's just like so much over the top action where you're literally just like how, like, you know what I mean? Like somewhere out there, there's just like a physics major who's just like, just like cro- with arms crossed, like shaking their head, like so pissed. Neil deGrasse Tyson, ready? Yeah, he's yeah, all yeah. Down. <laughs> He absolutely hates this movie, but no, it was just, it was absolutely wild. So, if you guys get a chance, please, please watch it. It's, it's, 
It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, and okay. then I finally watched uh, 1917, mm. which mm. I was kind of like, I didn't have any intention of watching it. I'm not as a, even though I was just talking about a war movie, um, I don't really like war movies, but it was on like so many of like end of the year best of list and it was on Crave. So I just decided to give it a go. Um, and yeah, I just thought it was like super well done and immersive. And there's just like a real emotional draw to it that I found sort of humbling because I think it's almost like a privilege to not like war movies, you know, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. And watching mm -hmm. this, I kind of felt like connected to it and, and kind of like understand why it's like important to tell these stories. Um, and yeah, my heart rate was just like so high during the scene where he's like running across the battlefield and that, yeah, it was just crazy for the girl who doesn't like war movies. I watched two big war movies. <laughs> was there anything else we wanted to catch up on or should we get into Hedvig? Let's get into the angry Hedvig. It's time. I'm excited. It's time. Boom. Where are you taking us? So we're going to get into the good old time machine. <laughs> All right. So we are going to a year that will that will likely be in the Hall of Fame as one of the worst years ever with 2020. And that is the year 2001. Um, so this is the year that like 9-11 happened. Uh, there was that huge earthquake in India that claimed like tens and thousands of lives. George Bush was president. Jean Chrétien, catcher, was prime hey, minister. Not so bad. <laughs> we got Harper after, well, not soon after yeah. that. So. And worst of all, frosted tips were the hottest hairstyle about <laughs> <laughs> So at this point, it's been over 30 years since Stonewall, and progress has been slow. Um, and though society is presenting as more um, tolerant, overt homophobia and transphobia is still a cultural norm. Um, and if you don't believe me, just watch, put on any episode of Friends. Um, tell them. <laughs> listen, we are no, <laughs> no holds barred this episode. We're going yep. ham. Anyways. <laughs> um, yeah. So in pop popular culture, however, we are seeing more like LGBTQ plus stories being told, like things like Will and Grace, but I'm a cheerleader and queer as folk are seeing success in the mainstream. However, these stories typically focus on cisgender gay men and lesbians um, and trans and gender queer representation isn't so much a thing. And if you are seeing a trans or gender queer person in the media, they're made to be like the butts of a joke or they're being berated about their anatomy on talk shows. So it's just kind of a bad scene. Um, so in Storm's Hedvig um, to shake things up, <laughs> And though I think it's important to note uh, that she was created by a cis man, John Cameron Mitchell, he creates Hedvig out of necessity um, and a way to explore his own gender expression and to challenge what he calls the binarchy, which he believes is a product of the patriarchy and aims to dictate how people can identify and express themselves. It also reduces a person's gender to their genitals. Um, so yeah, so Mitchell draws on his own lived experience as a queer artist who is curious about his own gender expression 
Um, he models the character Hedvig after a babysitter he had when he was younger, who was glamorous um, and also sidelined as a prostitute. Um, he builds the story around the time he spent living in Berlin um, with his parents. Plato's theory of love, his love of music, specifically androgynous rockers like Bowie, um, and stories of gay men in Iran that get sex change operations so they can marry their male partners. Um, he draws the philosophy of Hedwig from his own perception of a gender of one, which is not specifically male or female, but all encompassing and freeing. Um, so then Mitchell teams up with his friend Stephen Trask, who's the who's the composer, um, and they workshop the songs uh, and persona of Hedvig at a drag bar in NYC. And then eventually they open a full blown production off Broadway in 1998. Um, and it's a huge success and they get greenlit to make a movie based on the stage show. And yeah, it was a box office bomb, actually. Um, but it quickly became a cult hit, especially amongst the LGBTQ plus community. And in 2019, it became a part of the Criterion Collection. So, and here we are. <laughs> Sweet. And here we are discussing it here on Synodon. Yes. Awesome. I have a quick question. As, yeah. a, yes. as a theater noob, yeah. I don't know that much noob. about the scene. So you said it's off Broadway. So, and the yeah. way you told the story is the idea that they just sort of put it together as like a ragtag group of people they want they had this story they wanted to tell or was there some like backing and stuff involved because i on broadway versus off broadway i have no idea what the difference is between those things so broadway is like the very like highly funded shows that are going to be like in the center of new york city in the big theaters with like the big names opening the shows okay. and then off broadway is similar uh you have like you find really amazing stuff going on there. It's just kind of like the indie, ver like for film, it's like the indie version mm -hmm. of Broadway. Gotcha. Yeah. And yeah. like a lot of shows get like most shows, unless they're like have a high backer, like, or they're really famous already. Like yeah. they start off Broadway and then they and use then that they... to get funding and then they go to, you know, and they workshop the show a little bit. Like exactly. Even Hamilton was on off Broadway, off Broadway. for a while gotcha. before it okay. got picked up to like the main. Or Broadway they'll thing, workshop yeah. it in different cities and then bring it over. Right. Gotcha. It's, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. You're in, you're in mine and Ian's territory this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, lo I'm loving it. I'm lo We're I have Broadway so many nerds. questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that leads me to the first question. So catcher, what did you think of like, well, a, what's your experience with movie musicals? And then B, how did you feel this was? Because I think Head Big and the Angry Itch Inch uh, is like very different than most movie musicals. So what mm -hmm. were your thoughts just like on that perspective? Um, so I do, I think I actually have more of like a musical background than I, I admit to myself, I think sometimes. I think I've even <laughs> mentioned it on the show. Like I had a, my mom ran a, a drama camp. And so I spent a little bit of time around musicals and was like part of performances and stuff like that. I went <laughs> to see a lot of musicals growing up. Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat and <laughs> Lion King and some yes. other stuff, you know, yeah. um, those classics of yesteryear. Um, mm -hmm. So I sort of know a little bit about the ideas of how they work. And I think that's kind of why I found this movie so interesting, actually, because mm. other than... Mostly the sequence with the song where Hedwig like learns about 
like I like I guess like drag culture or like the idea of dressing feminine. Wig and most a box. of the yeah, yeah yeah most of the sequences, I'm shocked that they started from musical because so much of this movie is intimate, and so mm-hmm. much of how things are shot are so close and so. Like when they're inside these small bars where they're performing, they translated like a stage show so well into film. And I'm just so interested to know how they managed to capture that sort of intimacy when so much about stage performance is about reaching to the back end of the room and sort of making it a little bit bigger than it needs Mm -hmm. to be in order to carry. I just found that I was like blown away that that's where this came from because it just doesn't make, it didn't make sense to me. But there are moments where you see it. Yeah, boom. Have you seen the musical, the stage musical? I haven't. I haven't seen it live. So, yeah, so my, like, when I was, wa- I, I watched it a couple years ago, like maybe two or three years ago, and I was pretty shocked because they, the interpretation of the film is very close to what is in the musical. Oh. It's pretty interesting. Like, even, like, the animated sequence. Oh, that was my yeah. other thing, yeah, okay. So, like, in the animated sequence, like, a screen came down, and there were, like, animations going on uh, while you know, Hedwig was singing, but it it's funny you called that up because it does work. I think for this, uh, very much so because like the first half of the movie and the show is, are basically like a one person show. Mm. Like it's like the mono, it's mostly monologues and solos sung by Hedwig, you know, with, with the band. But, um, I, I think it came across pretty, pretty well in, in, uh, for the film. Cause I was yeah. curious how that was going to work. And I actually think a lot of the storytelling was easier to follow Mm-hmm. Um, in this context because there are some things that, again, I didn't remember like every bit of it, but there are some things where I was like, oh, like I didn't catch that this had happened in the musical. Right. I didn't remember it, but then when it was on screen, it was like very, very clear to me. Um, and I think it's because a lot of like the set pieces for the musical were pretty minimal as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, it's interesting you, you called that out. I talked about this a little bit last week with horror films and how like they ask you to suspend your disbelief, um, and sometimes it doesn't check out. And I think that's a big thing with musicals as well because, like, watching a movie musical is, like, a surreal experience. And I think a lot of the time they don't admit to themselves that that's what it is. So they're trying to kind of, like, pass off this, you know, this real-life thing that's happening um, and then people start singing and you're you kind of get taken out of it. And mm-hmm. I think the way that they that Hedvig and the Angry Inch uses like different genres and like different devices to tell the story really blends it well together. And you just feel very immersed in, in the story because just kind of like in the way that they like set up like the musical numbers, you know, it's just like they're at a venue singing and sometimes they're not, but it's okay. And then there's all these kind of surreal things that are happening as well. So you're kind of mm-hmm. just like, this is just very, this is just a very visual and musical thing that's happening. And it's great. And you, and you kind of are able in this film more so than other movie musicals, able to just let go of that and like, you know, just like not taking it seriously. And, and, and you just allow yourself to have a really good time with it. And I like how she uses like stand up comedy and like mixed media and, like just all these different things and it just all works so well in my opinion. So 
yeah, the surreal part I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, like I think a lot of it almost kind of felt like David Lynch a little bit. I think in particular the wig and the box scene. Yeah. Just like the colors and the lighting they use a lot. A lot of it looked like kind of Twin Peaksy vibes a little yeah. bit, or you know, blue blue velvet maybe more likely vibes um, throughout the whole thing. And I, I thought that was pretty cool to to see that. Yeah, it's good stuff. Let's talk a little bit about. Hedvig, played by uh, John Cameron Mitchell. Yes. What a performance. What a performance. Yes. So, like, just completely takes ownership of the role. Like, incredible. Like, absolutely incredible. Like, captivating in every scene. Like, you are in their hands constantly. Like, they are carrying you through the whole film. And it's just Mm -hmm. incredible to i think a lot of times i was discussing this with a friend at work the reason i think i'm adverse to musicals generally is because i'm such like a visual person and to me like Mm. the main rule of filmmaking is like show it don't tell it and musicals Mm. sort of function especially stage musicals more specifically function in sort of the opposite way it's like you express everything you talk about everything that you're feeling and thinking like, and and you sing, not just talk about it. You sing about it. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's sort of the complete opposite. And what really works in this movie is it, it's the delivery. So it's, it is like a stage show. And so, and it isn't a rock show, right? It's, and I've never been to a drag show, but there's multiple facets to it. There's a lot of comedy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like, so it's not just one thing. It's not just performances. So it yeah. uses the malleability of that to create a really interesting, almost like a, like a voiceover mm-hmm. that trails mm-hmm. through the movie. So there's all these images and then you get this constant narrator telling you what these things all mean. And mm-hmm. so the song sort of become just the background music to these really, um, really like interesting and eye-opening scenes that are done in so many different ways. Yeah. It's like so such an exciting movie to watch. I was like not expecting to just be captivated by it so much. They really like set you up with that theme pretty quickly. Um, And I think that's why it's also really effective. Like it doesn't change the format of how they're presenting the music or the stories to you that much. And I can see how that can turn some people off sometimes, but I think it works really well. Like it makes you really feel um, like the stage play again, what, like Hedvig is addressing the audience and the crowd, like they're the they're, real audience at like yeah. their concerts. Um, and that translated very well, I think on screen, which I thought was yes. really cool. I love yeah. how she kind of will tell her story to like anybody who's just like in her general vicinity. And I love yeah. how that like how it switches up because it's like maybe she's like at a restaurant and like nobody really cares that like she's there but she's still just you know telling her story and then later on it's like on a pile of tires with like with her like handful of fans and (laughs) then sometimes she's she's speaking directly to us like the audience and it just like all works and it's it's hilarious the bit with the fur the fur jacket and she turns (laughs) around And there's the paint the, on like, it. The yeah. paint on it. It's just yeah. lot, like, so many good laughs. So many good laughs. And like she captures the like band. I mean, this is just overall the writing of the, of the film and the show. Mm-hmm. Like she captures she captures the band of like the banter of band talk when like 
you're kind of trying to be funny and like you're sort of making like these obviously pre-rehearsed jokes a couple times and <laughs> i don't know a lot of it just feels like very real like you could see these shows happening if you walked into a bar somewhere totally. uh, and just there's just band happening playing like you could see these sort of types of musicians and these types of performances and stories being told and stuff uh let, let's talk a little bit about her uh i guess counterpart or her her drive in the story she's basically following around a teen <laughs> rock idol uh named tommy gnosis uh which is greek for the word knowledge i hate that um, name so much <laughs> i hate the way it looks Ugh. gn beside each other is like so gross, so gross. except for when it's gnocchi <laughs> yeah that's gnocchi. that's the only time you know, thank you boom that's a good uh, point. <laughs> uh tommy gnosis he uh Basically, Hedvig and Tommy were like in a relationship. They wrote songs together. Tommy, in a pretty gripping scene, and I think is one of is is uh, the strongest performance from John Cameron Mitchell's. They're mm-hmm. you know hooking up. I don't know is that the right word to use. They're making out, and Tommy uh, finds out that Hedvig had the uh, what is it the the like sexual a, uh, yeah it's a like, botched a botched sex change the botched sex, yeah. sex change yeah box sex change and then he goes off and ends up becoming super famous yeah um what do we think about the storyline like Oof. It, like there's a lot of layers in there and i think i'm most yeah. impressed that this came out in 2001 and whenever the musical was written because um that's not very far-fetched to happen then obviously mm-hmm. and I'm, sh- I'm sure stories of that have happened a lot and I don't think it's very like far fetched to happen now, even yeah. where you know people run off with songwriting credits or or book credits yeah. or whatever. Um, but what do you think of that that overall arc of like driving Hedvig to follow Tommy to try and get it known that she was the one who wrote these songs? No, it's well, dev- I mean, oh no, go ahead, go ahead. I I just think that like she clearly knows. I mean, obviously she's kind of like struggling with like some, with her identity and things Mm -hmm. like that. But I think the one thing that she can really hold on to is how she built herself up and Mm. how talented she is, like, you know, how talented and badass she is. And I Mm -hmm. think that like, we see like kind of like the chronicles of her life as Hansel and with the Lieutenant and then with Tommy. So it's just like, she's used to being, kind of like having people come and take things from her, like literal, Mm. literal pieces of her. And then you have Tommy kind of like repeating that again and, and, and taking her music and she's just being like ignored and, or what does she, what does she say? Like internationally ignored or something, but Mm, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah. And she's just, she's just not getting, the credit for it. And, and I, and I understand like why she's holding on to it so dearly. Yeah. I mean, obviously a boom said a lot there just in terms of their relationship and how it sort of mirrors her, like all of the relationships you see throughout the movie um, that happen, And it's, you know, it's brutal to watch and it's an interesting drive and it sort of shows. It puts her in a really great position to, um, explore what's going on it allows you to like learn a bit more and more and so you get this sort of introduction to him mm-hmm. where he's she had just finished performing a song and then he's performing sort of a similar song yeah mm-hmm. but like 
as I get, I won't, this is the first time seeing it. So I'm like, is, I don't think the words are the same, but it sounds the same. And that sort of already sets up this thing of like, wait, is he taking her music? Like what's going on? What's mm-hmm. this relationship they have? And then this slow buildup of learning the history of where she's come from and all these experiences that she's had and really makes you just hate this dude so much (laughs) because of what he's done and what he's taken. But then at, at the same time too, it's like, and maybe it's because of the way that film ends, but you you don't hate him as much as you just want her to feel better. Like it, yeah. you just like it's you're sort of bad that he's she's spending so much time caring about him. Like mm-hmm. it's like a, like a friend of yours who's still into their ex who was like super terrible to them and you're like stop <laughs> yeah, thinking right. about them. Like they did you dirty, you know, but it, expl- it explains so much about where she, where she is internally in terms of yeah. where where how she understands herself and and then herself in the world and I think that's and- really cool. That trauma of her losing fear just falls poorly on uh, Yitzhak, right? Yitzhak yeah. is her, like, uh, boyfriend, like, bandmate. Uh, Yitzhak gets, funnily enough, like, a gig in Rent playing Angel <laughs> on like, the Guam tour, which I thought was pretty hilarious. Dog, uh, and she, she, dog killer angel? Yeah, yeah, dog killer <laughs> angel is right. Uh, if you need more on that, go to Zoom, uh, Boom and I's at mentions on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> you can find some conversation about that. Um, and she, when, you know, Yitzhak's like, all right, I'm gone. I'm going to, I'm leaving this band. I'm going to go be famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Hedvig rips up her passport Pass- and yeah. that's like, when I was watching that, I was like, man, that's pretty rough. You know, rough. I, I, like any pity, I like any, it, it really makes you flip on her. I'm like, you had yeah. to go and ruin someone else's dream because you're not realizing yours. And that's like, ugh. You know, like I yeah. feel for her, but also it's like, that's, come on, that's, that's also I think, so unfortunate. I think that's something that's so interesting about the character because she's amazing, like so many of like the rock stars that we know and love, like amazingly talented and so enchanting, but also at the back end of it has shitty behaviors and, and can be a shitty person. And obviously you know, like the inch is angry for a reason. Like there's a lot of angst mm-hmm. in this as well that mm-hmm. I really think comes through. And, you know, she's experienced a lot in her life and she's experienced ab- abuse and abandonment. And I think those things tend to repeat themselves, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. you just see it coming through. And I don't know if this, like just kind of quickly back to Tommy, one thing that like oh, yeah. doesn't, really sit well with me like in this whole experience is just kind of like the fact that he's 17. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know yeah. if like, I don't know no, how you I felt. Caught that. I, and, yeah. and I don't know if that's like an intentional, because I think like it's such a well thought out character. It's such an intimate character study. And I don't know if that was like an intentional thing that like John Cameron Mitchell was like, examining and kind of like trying to work through as well um but it 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 really did take me out of it just a little bit especially because with that like bathtub scene like he literally looks like a child and then when Hedvig is kind of like taking him under her wing it just feels a little like grooming ish like yeah no totally you know and at the end during the like apology song when 
he's like, I'm sorry. Like he's apologizing to Hedvig. And he's like, I'm sorry. I was just a boy. And I'm like, you are, you are like, you are just a boy. Yeah. But yeah. So that was kind of. The re- repeated patterns, right? That you were talking yeah. about earlier in terms of someone who's repeats the traumas that were happened to them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, it mirrors that in a really interesting way. Yeah. And I think it's also just like a larger, a larger commentary on sort of young fame in general. I mean, yeah. There's so many stories of young pop artists and not necessarily like being sexually taken advantage of, but yeah, almost always financially and just creatively taken advantage of and stuff like that. So yeah. I think there's like a lot of sort of little nods to general stardom and, and fame yeah. throughout the whole thing. And you I see think- her like really working through it and like going, you know, it's just like she's taking on, us on this journey with us and you see her kind of like, accepting herself and everything that comes with it, like all the shitty things she's done and all of Mm -hmm. that, you know? So that final performance, like when they're in that sort of like all white room, she Mm -hmm. takes the wig off and like gives the wig over and like, and has like the Tommy look like that. Yeah. With the, she has like the cross cross on on her face and and stuff. Like I honestly, I couldn't, there was nothing in the movie that told you to feel like, like there weren't any words used that were like, okay, she, she's now more complete and comfortable mm. in her own skin. Mm. But mm-hmm. that's all that, that's all that I got from that was just like, I was just, I felt so good. I felt so good for her and so happy for her to finally be in this place. Exactly. And it's like, and she's got this and you realize Oh, she's sort of comfortable in this look, and you realize this this idea that she had in her head about who she could be, she gave to him, you know, and that's mm-hmm. why it hurts so much. And she's taking it back, and she yes. she's allowing her her own visual representation, and it's just like, yes, this is a but nothing. Yeah, you don't they don't say that out loud. Nothing like that is ever explicitly said, and yet somehow. Like Shakespeare, like when I read Shakespeare, I don't really know what I'm reading. I always understand Shakespeare like two pages later. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, oh, that's like, okay, yeah. And then yeah. I catch late. Like that's kind of what this was like for me, where it was like, I don't know why I know this, but I know this. And it's because of everything that they're showing me and how they're showing yeah. this to me. And it's just mm. like, man, such a, so cool, so cool. Mm. And the what? music, like, I, I want, I'm now going to go to you guys because you guys are the professionals, but like, I was blown away about how good this music was. And I just want to know what you guys, what your impressions of it are. I'm like, I'm always so 50, 50 on rock musicals. Like I think Mm. they work sometimes. Sometimes I don't think they do. Um, This is a case I'm like sort of split on it. Like when I watched the musical, I didn't leave it knowing like having a melody stuck in my head. And I don't think it's like their melody stuck in my head now. Um, But that being said, I really, really like that song, the origin of love. Yeah, um, so good. That's that is such a nice like melody and and is really really pretty, um, and I really like the uh, wig in a box song. So th- those yeah. two songs I think are really really great. The other ones I I you know don't find myself even after watch. I just watched it yesterday yeah. actually, and I, I don't have like it's not stuck in my head like I do like a lot of musicals. But that that's just me. Boom. What do you what are your opinions on it? Well, I mean, I feel that way when I go to see a lot of musicals, like there's instantly things that you're just like, I can't get this out of my head. And and you kind of yeah. like play it over and over again. So I, I do agree with that. Um, but I think like m- the musicality and 
the music itself is quite outstanding and yeah, like it has this really authentic vibe to it. And I think that's Mm -hmm. why you're not just like, it's not just like something you could just throw on the radio and like, you know, take like from the show and like just throw like right into the radio. Like I think that I like deeply love the music in it and it's just Mm -hmm. different than what you would, you know, see going to see like wicked or like rock of ages, which is a jukebox musical. So that it doesn't count. Um, yeah, I think like, I think just due to like when I'm watching it, I, I like the music. I think because it's so tied with the storytelling, Yeah, which sounds kind of dumb because all musicals, the music is telling the story of the show, but it feels like there's something about it where I think just the way it's presented and how it is like a monologue followed by a musical singing at you. It doesn't really translate as much to me if I'm listening to it like separate. Yeah. But I agree with you. Like the music, like, I mean the same, like John Cameron Mitchell singing is unbelievable. So good. Every song. It's so cool. And Uh, really, really like impressive just performances. I really like John Cameron Mitchell, like as a person I've listened. He's done this, um, it's actually like a podcast musical called Home Oculus, mm. I believe. Um, and like, he just, he's just a really interesting person. He also did this movie. I don't, I know Ketch has heard of it because it was like all over Tiff and it was like all over Now Magazine back in the day, Short Bus. He did Short Bus. Yeah, that's right. I remember Short Bus. I watched that as like a 16 year old because like they, with like that all explains. my friends, because like, th- all the stuff around that movie was like this movie with real sex. Like they weren't yeah. talking about what the movie was actually about. They're just like, all you knew was that everyone in the yeah. movie was having sex for real on camera. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and so Kian Lee from who was a much music VJ was in it and we were, yeah. it was a scandal. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. I, I think I'm actually going to con can con <laughs> right there. Yeah. But sorry, that, that I, might I, as well have been in Arabic for, for you. Right? You didn't hear none of those <laughs> like, words made any sense. <laughs> basically long story short i really appreciate john cameron mitchell i love listening to his to interviews with him i think he's very well spoken i think he's very unapologetic and but also like a person who's constantly trying to like you know be educated and like learn about the world and like process things in like a creative way and one of the most hilarious things i read in an interview about hedvig was him talking about meeting david bowie who was Mm. like who went up to him and was just like, you got it right. Like, you know, as in to say, like he captured like the essence of Bowie and his response to that was like, that's kind of arrogant. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And that, and that energy is brought to Hedvig. I think like just kind of like that unapologetic, like, you know, it's, 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 I like it. When she climbs up, on top of the the seats and just mm-hmm. like grinds her face in that old that like in that old, old man's guy. face <laughs> yeah. and i'm just She's like, like it's a car wash it's a car wash yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the way the way the frill like dangles yeah. and shakes is like so perfect like they must have it must have taken them a few shots to get like the right totally. swinging motion but it's like yeah so perfect and like i was thinking there's so many scenes where Obviously, most of the people in the restaurant or the bar that they're performing like don't want them there, you know, and they're they're like sort mm-hmm. of confused by what's going on. But there's so many moments where they're fine to just be involved with the performance of what's going on, and it's sort of interesting <laughs> just like yeah. to see that where you're like, 
how, how many of them are like secret fans of Hedwig that are there <laughs> pretending that they don't want to be there, but they're so excited to see this they're performance so or something, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, but just going back quickly to the music, I think part yep. of the reason why you don't get that sort of like leaving with the song stuck in your head is the music is seems so well tied into Hedwig's influences, right? And mm. that style of music, like the Lou Reed will have a, a pop song here or there, but a lot of the times it's not like all about being catchy. There's something mm. a little bit more like mundane about it so maybe mm. that's part uh, for me that's why i loved it so much because i felt like it captured that st- that kind of music so well in the, yeah. the sort of storytelling performance of it which is so very tied into that sort of glam rock stuff <laughs> nice so before we get to our picks I, I, I do have one more question yeah um so on the ending it's pretty interesting like hedvig has this like come to Jesus moment. Uh, Hedwig gives her wig to Yitzhak and then goes and has that moment with Tommy. Um, and then it ends with her walking naked through an alleyway to the street. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that, I was like, did that whole end sequence, like, I mean, is it, was it all, was that sort of like, it's all a dream? Like, did, did she have some sort of like meltdown and like woke up? Does that make sense? Like something mm-hmm. about it, or, or am well, I reading that wrong? Did neither of you? I read I, it. Neither? I read it like so. You have the internal monologue where she's sort of talking to Tommy, but it's not Tommy. It's like her coming to terms yeah. with that person in her, like inside her. Yeah. And she just and the end is like in a weird. I saw it like as like a rebirth. Like yeah. she is now. 100%. I am me, and I'm going out into the world. Whatever that I'm gonna, is, and I'm gonna. Okay. I don't know what that's gonna be, but I know who I am, and I'm comfortable in my skin. Yeah. And that's where I'm, and I'm, and that's, I know who I am now. Yeah. And that's how I sort of saw it. Totally. Nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. I take that. Nice. Well, yeah. And I mean, that makes more sense because I don't think any of that was really hinted to on the stage play. So I was mm. a little, like a little surprised when I saw that um, yeah. in the movie, but that makes sense. A rebirth. I like that. Yeah. A rebirth. Um, awesome. So let's get to our criterion moments. Boom. What is your criterion moment? For um, inch. I would probably say, I mean, I want to cheat, like catch and just be like everything, Here but comes. <laughs> I, I'd probably say like the origin of love scene because it's mm-hmm. really just like doing the most, um, but it's still really effective because there's like narration, there's like, you know, and then you get like the sequence with like the a- animation and then she's in a bar performing um, and yeah, and in that moment, you kind of just like really understand like who she is and kind of like how she sees the world and what's beneath like the tough exterior, you know, and what she's searching mm-hmm. for. So yeah, the, the origin of love, like great, a beautiful, amazing song and just like really well done in, in the movie. So yeah. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I could I could lie right now and get, come up with another response. And like, I think the scene where she, like, um, where she has it out with Tommy could very well be the criterion moment. But for me, like, mm. my criterion moment was the origin of love sequence. Like, the animation is such a great tool. They use it so effectively. Um, yeah. I just I love 
what it allows the movie to do. I love what yeah. it's about. I love the song. I love the style of animation. I just think mm-hmm. it like, takes this story and really just brings it. It's like it does something special in you know in terms of why things should be in, cri- in the criterion. That's that's one of those things. Yeah. Nice. Um, that was also on my short list, but I'll mix it up for the sake of conversation. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do the wig in a box sequence. Cool. Yeah. I think it's really cool. Um, it's just like stylistically, it takes a little change of pace for the film. It's the first yeah. one, like Catcher said earlier, like it really feels like a musical. Yeah. The state, like the setup of it is really sweet. I mean, I like that song a lot. Um, just the mm-hmm. costume changes. And again, the, the, uh, set design of that scene is really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so those, and I love- those two songs. I love like what that scene like represents. It's just like kind of like having so much taken from you and then just like building yourself up and like putting on this like exterior that like becomes right. Cause like the drag for Hedvig is like this shield that's like protecting her from the world. It's the thing she finds to cope. It's the coping mechanism. It's the, exactly. You need the shield to build yourself back up to get back into the world. Like without the shield, you'd still be defeated still. Exactly. Yeah. Um, love it. So that was Hedvig and the Angry Inch. And uh, those were our That's Criterion moments alongside it as to why we think it should be, or why it is in the Criterion, I suppose, uh, mm-hmm. in this case. And let's get to our satellite picks. Um, I can start with mine. Yeah. I know Catcher, Catcher was tossed onto a few before we started recording. Uh, so my mm-hmm. satellite pick, and I think it's something that people have probably seen. But in case you haven't, I think there are a lot of themes that are very similar. It's a Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, the cult, like the cult classic of all cult classic mm-hmm. uh, musicals. Um, I'm talking about the film version of this, although the stage musical is fun too, uh, yeah. starring Tim Curry, Susan Sarandon, and Barry Boswick. Uh, if you haven't heard of it, I am shocked, but go go ahead and check that out. Um, mm-hmm. It's a very cool musical from the 70s. It is also a rock opera. It even has yeah. uh, old meatloaf in there. Um, a lot of gender bending. A lot of, lot of gender bending stuff. A lot of the film. I, I read a cool commentary or cool comment on Hedvig and the Anger Inch that they said, um, it was a short review that just said, this movie taught me like how to be weird. And I thought that was a cool yeah. way to phrase this movie. And I yeah. think Rocky Horror Picture Show has that similar vibe. So absolutely, um, that is my satellite pick. Uh, if if, if you are going to see that, I know we're not allowed to watch it at home because you can't go to a theater. But if you can see Rocky see Horror Picture Show yeah. in a theater, like at a midnight screening, because it's with a live blast. performers. With yeah. live performers yeah. and everyone's talking to the screen. And I thought about that movie when I was watching this because it has qualities where you know that could easily slide into this movie. You could easily have mm-hmm. quick comebacks and such a fun like live experience watching this movie that they even like totally. put a dancing singing bouncy ball yeah, at one yeah, point yeah. in the film and you're yeah. like oh yeah you know what you are like you are yeah. like the modern um rocky horror picture show in some way so yeah that's cool yeah nice uh boom what about you um i think i'll go with the netflix documentary disclosure it's about trans folks and how they're represented in media and film and television. And it's very eye opening. And I just think anybody who like loves film should watch it because the things that we kind of watch and consume directly like inform our understanding of, of the world. 
Um, so the best thing you can do is just like equip your, like we can do is just equip ourselves with knowledge and understand how media kind of like excludes people who aren't considered to be like the cultural norm or creates narratives that directly harms them. And I think it will help kind of contextualize like why something like Hedvig was so needed and, and, and so, um, you know, became what it was, what it is. Right. Exactly. So, and, and yeah, and everybody here is our film lovers. So I just think we should, people should watch it. Catcher. What is your satellite pick? I'm going to go with uh, Lou Reed's album Transformer. Um, I like this. I just like this, the music of this so much. And I just like got me in that vibe. And uh, I just think it's such a great album. And I really love Lou Reed. Um, I just think he's I just think he's like one of the coolest cats that ever touched Earth. Like he's just so cool. Uh, so yeah, I just think it's great. And nice. Uh, yeah, listen to Transformer. Nice. Yeah, Lou Reed. Awesome. Yep. Great picks all around. Uh, we didn't get any voicemails or emails this week, oh, but no. if you want to leave us a voicemail or email, she just wanted cinenutspod at gmail dot com, and we will get those on uh the next episode but uh so since that's the case catcher where are you taking us next week (laughs) you cannot Uh, pick two hold on i gotta (laughs) i gotta get a coin oh no (laughs) i can't do this on my own anymore okay see you later this is a heads or tails scenario Uh okay heads sword of doom what? I've never even heard of that movie. What the heck? That's right. Tales, Baccarat. Mm. Wow. A film that came out in 2019. I'm super hyped to see. Um, and I, yeah, I just it's on a bunch of people's lists, and it's a sci-fi movie, which I haven't picked a sci-fi movie on here yet, which is totally nuts to me. Um, um, but Sword of excuse- Doom is called Sword of Doom. So Sword of Doom. <laughs> So I just, that's the, you'll see. Also, so I'm going to flip. The what, Fountain what? is totally a sci-fi movie. Also, dude. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I agree. Okay, I take it all back. You can edit it out okay. if you want, but that's that's what <laughs> we're doing. Okay, here we go. All right. Tales. What did I say? Tales is Baccarat. So we're what, next week we're watching Baccarat. And okay. uh, I don't know that, nice. I don't know anything about it other than it's set in Brazil um and that's all that's all i know so nice i'm really excited yeah. to talk about it don't it's read anything a, else okay baccarat is uh yeah it was on a lot of top 2020 2020 uh 20 list i didn't have a chance to see it but um lots uh it's it's on the criterion channel right, right. now so oh, okay got it's it. not in the collection but it is available on streaming on the criterion channel yeah so. i thought it would be good to get to it just in case it gets removed from the channel so mm-hmm. i thought now that it's there we know it's there it'll be a good time and everyone can listen i've heard so many conflicting and different opinions about the movie i'm really hoping we can i we can i can bring a movie that we'll argue about which will be fun so hopefully that will happen we'll see Nice. Stoked. All right. So that is a Baccarat. It is, uh, oh boy, directed by Kleber yep. uh, uh, <laughs> Mondoncha Filho. Yep. I cannot pronounce Portuguese or Brazilian names. Um, so do you not want me to read the synopsis? You want people just, you want us to go in completely blind? Yes, I know nothing please. about the plot. Yeah, okay, I don't know I don't anything about, I don't know anything about it. I, I'm going in blind. So I think, 
I've been told that that's the way to do it. So perfect. Okay. All right. So that is our pick for next week. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Nice. Well, guys, thank you so much. Uh, in a week that was pretty shitty down here yeah. uh, in the United States, this was a nice little uh, come up for the week. Getting to watch a movie and then getting to chat with you two fine yeah. about it. And then next week we will uh, get to talking back around. Back around. Positivity. Annual last words, boomer catcher. Um, I would just like to officially out Ian for his what? for his opinion on another musical where he claims that Benny <laughs> is the hero, not okay. the villain. Okay. This <laughs> Let is... it be known. <laughs> okay. This is. I don't know how it's possible, but two opposite groups of snapping gangs just appeared in front of me and started performing (laughs) some sort of battle. I don't know what's going on here. One one led by Ian, the other by Boom. They're snapping and they're dancing. It's very strange. For those who don't know, we're talking about the the movie, well, the musical Rent and also the film Rent. Uh, I rewatched it on New Year's Eve and came to the realization that Benny kind of gets a bad rap. If you, yeah. ha- if you have seen it and you have thoughts about it, shoot us an email. All at us. All <laughs> us. Uh, Boomcatcher, wonderful talking to you. As and, always. Uh, as always. And we will talk to everyone next week. See you later. Ciao, everyone. Bye, guys.